Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. I hope you guys are doing well. I will say I'm doing well probably half the time here in the city because the other half of the time I am dying of heat. It is so hot and steamy here. I was just on the subway earlier today and I thought I was going to pass out being down there. It's just so, 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 so hot at the moment. I think we're going through a heat wave of sorts. I've been taking like two showers a day. These are the days where I long for the winter and then I realize what I'm saying because that is me saying that I long for the long ankle length parka days where it's freezing outside and you just like don't even want to engage in any sort of activity because it means going outside. So I really long for a happy medium. I want fall so desperately, but The sad part about fall in the city is it's my favorite season, but it's also like the shortest season because I feel like it only lasts for like three weeks and then it's gone. And it's usually around my birthday that it gets like kind of chilly, which is nice. I think that's why I associate fall with being my favorite season because my birthday falls in fall, falls in fall, (laughs) it lands in fall. And this is actually my golden birthday that I'm coming up on in just two short months, August, September, October, end of October, 27th, mark your calendars. I am turning 27 on the 27th. So get ready for a lot of super dramatic episodes coming your way very soon because it's going to be hitting me that I'm hitting my favorite birthday year, like the one year that I've been looking forward to for my whole entire life. I really thought, oh, by 27, I'll have it all together. I'll have it made. Everything will be in place by 27 because it's my lucky number. It's my birthday. It's like my golden year. It's everything and more. And whenever I see a guy on a dating app and I see he's 27, I usually like think it's a sign because I'm like, oh, 27 is just that year. And I'm about to be that age. So hopefully it lives up to my extremely high expectations. If you're out there listening and you're 27, let me know how it is. Curious. But yeah, I guess backing things up, we are in August right now. It is August 3rd as I record this. And I truly don't know how we got here so quickly. I just put out my August wallpapers over on the Patreon. It really does shock me every month that I'm able to come up with new designs because I've been doing this now for over a year. It's been like almost... I believe like two years now that I've had the Patreon because I started it like beginning of COVID and 2020 was two years ago. So it has to be like two years old at this point. I don't know how I'm still coming up with all of these monthly wallpapers, but something in my brain just clicks and I'm like, this is what I personally want. So I always put them out. And as you guys know, they're a dollar for each wallpaper. So, or not each, a dollar total for the whole, the whole shebang. So when you sign up and you pay a dollar, you get literally every wallpaper I've ever made from the past two years. So it's honestly a steal. I really just do it because I personally want the wallpapers and I find that I truly cannot keep anything to myself. Like it's just impossible for me to make something that I'm proud of and not show it to anybody because I <laughs> I don't know. Is it sharing is caring? Is it wanting to get recognition for things? What is the psychology in that? I don't really know, but whatever. Regardless, cute wallpapers are up and at them and out the door. Lots of people have been liking them thus far, and I love to see it. So I guess that is really like my first week of August update. Nothing crazy has really happened to me this week thus far. I guess I am gearing up to go to Nantucket next week. I've never been in Nantucket, but every single person I have spoken to about this has said that I'm going to fall in love and immediately 
like begin my adventure to finding a way to live there. Like I will fall in love, I've been told numerous times. So I'm very excited. I have heard the flight is literally the shortest thing in the entire world. We are trying to think of like the best way to get there. So I think we're literally taking a 30 minute flight or like it's literally you get on the plane, you go up in the air 30 minutes, you come back down. That's what Danielle was saying yesterday. So very excited. It's another YouTube girly trip. It's me, Brooke, Danielle, Kenzie, Margot. I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. We were heavily inspired to take this trip by Hotel Nantucket, the book by Elin Hildebrand. It was actually my book club book. My book club meets next week. I'm so excited to talk about this book because I'm actually staring at it right now. It's on my bedside table. I finished it and was very sad that it was over. Very, very good read. And at the end of the book, the author provided us with like all of these must do's in Nantucket. And we actually looked up at our hotel and a bunch of the hotels in the area have now updated their websites to include like little tidbits from the book, which is so cute. I think the author actually spends time there when she writes. So she's like a known local, but on the website of our hotel that we're staying at, it says like, there's like little, I'm not going to spoil anything, but like little hints from the book on there. So it's really cute. And so we're going to try to fulfill our Hotel Nantucket dreams. I'm sure the tourism board of Nantucket is thrilled about this book because everyone's going to be flocking there because of it, because she just does a really great job of painting a very beautiful picture of Nantucket. So I'm very excited to experience it. If you guys know the area, please DM me some recommendations you have. I can't wait to give you guys the full rundown of the trip when I return, but here we are sitting here. Well, I am sitting here on a cute little floor pillow that I got that was backordered for four months, but now it's here. So I'm sitting on a cute little floor pillow and not just on the carpet, but I am here today to discuss a very interesting concept. This is a very themed episode surrounding one key sort of concept. And this morning when I was at my trainer, Jane, she always asks me on Wednesdays, what is this week's episode about? And I delivered this phrase to her. It's kind of a question. And it was, are some rules made to be broken? Or should some rules be broken? And her response was, she's like, sure. I mean, it depends on what the rule is, though. And I'm like, great response, because today's episode is going to get you guys thinking. Today, we're going to talk about rules. Are some rules made to be broken? Should we be looking for loopholes or just stick to the blueprint? And I'll also be upsetting some of you guys or like sharing something that like might piss some of you guys off (laughs) this date that I'm going on this week. And some of you guys are going to be in favor of it and tell me to go for it. And others are going to be probably questioning my whole brand because of this date. So we're going to get to that later. But before I get there, I have two really interesting stories that I had never heard before that I now will be taking with me everywhere and telling anyone who will listen because they're really interesting. So the first story takes us back in time to 1880. It was the 31st of May, and a 19-year-old Sanantha Kumaritana, who was the queen of Siam, which is modern-day Thailand, was aboard a boat. And very tragically, the boat somehow capsized, throwing the pregnant queen and her one-year-old daughter into the water. So the queen, her unborn child, and her one-year-old daughter are floating in the water. And there's many onlookers, either still on the boat, in safety, or I don't really know where they were positioned at this point, but there was many people looking at the queen, flailing around in the water, but none of them jumped in to lend her a helping hand. 
which is very interesting. You'd think, okay, I am a loyal subject. This is my queen, her daughter, her unborn child. I'm going to do something to help this queen in need. But at the time, touching a queen, a royal, even to save her life was punishable by death. One would think that there would be an exception to a rule like this. Like, oh, if the queen is flailing around in the ocean with her one-year-old daughter and her unborn child. I've said this like seven times, but like if the queen is on the verge of death, like she's going to drown, maybe then you can touch a royal. Maybe then you can touch the queen. But at this time, there was no such rule in place. So a bunch of really smart, quick-thinking bystanders threw coconuts into the water because coconuts float, hoping that the queen could grab them to remain afloat. But if you think about it, how is like a coconut going to keep a 100-ish pound person? She looked very, very small. So I would assume she's like around 100 pounds. She was very petite and small. Uh, How would they keep 100 pounds afloat? Like very unlikely. She couldn't swim. And both the queen and the princess ended up getting sucked under, disappearing into the dark water, untouched by the commoner's hands. According to Misfit History, besides the law, any desire to help save the life of the queen could have been diminished by a superstitious belief as well. So apparently, saving a person who was drowning at this time in this place was associated with misfortune. So if you were to help someone who is about to die by drowning, like this could potentially happen to you or like it's meddling with the spirits who lived in the water. So overall, not a good idea at the time for any of these people, despite the fact that this was literal royalty getting sucked underwater, no one moved to help aside from throwing some coconuts in the water. Because of this rule, after the incident where three lives could have easily been saved with a little bit of help and a lack of this like stupid, stupid rule, the king proceeded to imprison the attendant on the boat who didn't give any orders to attempt a rescue, which is a little bit unfair, I'm thinking, because, you know, He was just following the law in not assisting the queen. But still, even though he did abide by the rule, by the law, he was punished. The king grieved the death of his spouse, who is said to be the one of his wives that he loved the most, which is just, I loved that sentence. Like he had so many wives, but this was his favorite one. I actually found via my research that he had several wives, I believe like three actual wives, but 32 other consorts and concubines, 116 in total. He went on to have 33 sons, 43 daughters, and yeah, he was booked and busy, okay, this king. The funeral procession uh, that was accordingly arranged for the queen was possibly the most expensive funeral in the history of this Asian kingdom. So in this case, I do believe this rule was meant to be broken, maybe a loophole. The coconuts was kind of a loophole, but maybe a stronger loophole should have been made, like maybe a stick or like some sort of net or something like you're not touching her, but you're still helping. Like maybe they should have found a loophole. And something tells me if a commoner would have reached out and grabbed the queen and saved her, the king would have maybe turned a blind eye to the law. But you know what? Maybe not. Maybe he wouldn't have spared whoever touched the queen and they would have been sentenced to death. Who the heck knows what kind of ruler this guy was. But regardless, I do think that this was a stupid law and the only person who was to blame for this was the man who lost his wife, really. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. So that is my first little story. Keep that in the back of your mind as we discuss the second one, which is a bit more recent. And this is actually about the Apollo astronauts. As part of the Apollo program by NASA, 24 astronauts flew to the moon during nine different missions between December of 1968 and December of 1972. And it's no secret that being an astronaut, it's a dangerous profession, okay? It takes a lot of training to get there, but still, so much can go wrong that no amount of training can prepare you for. Obviously, we've heard and read about so many missions that have failed and people that have passed, and it's a really, really dangerous profession. And if you think about how expensive life insurance would be for someone in a dangerous profession that actually stems not only like you're not only on earth you're also on the moon you're also everywhere in between and like this is so dangerous it was so expensive for these people i actually found a stat that back then an astronaut used to earn about $17,000 and a life insurance policy would have cost $50,000 which if you think about it just like does not compute so here's a story about a very famous loophole it's actually really really interesting i can't believe i've never heard of this before but i guess i don't really do a lot of research into space travel But back in the 60s, there were three astronauts who came up with an incredible plan to ensure that if anything were to happen to them, their loved ones back home would be taken care of. Their wives, their children would be taken care of in the event that they, oftentimes being the sole breadwinner, did not return for some reason. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins, all names that you probably have heard of nowadays at least, but back then they were just three guys, three federal employees who were gearing up to go on this mission where they were going to be flung into space in this like rocket ship and then they're going to fly around space land on the moon, come back, and then land in the ocean. These guys had families back home, and many people probably thought they were crazy for going out on this mission and, you know, what happens if they don't return? What happens if they can't take care of their families? So in the months leading up to the launch of Apollo 11, the crew spent much of their spare time autographing postage envelopes that were imprinted with Apollo images. The crew took 214 of these envelopes with them in the capsule. 
they entrusted the rest with an earthbound friend who visited a Texas post office on launch day, which was July 16th, 1969, and again on the day that Apollo 11 landed, which was the 20th of July, to affix a six-cent postage stamp and have them postmarked with the historic date. So this friend of theirs put in work to make it even better. The envelopes were then distributed among the astronauts' families with instructions to sell them if the crew was unable to return for some reason. These would become known as the insurance covers, and the strategy was then reused for subsequent Apollo missions. Most of the covers were eventually given as gifts to family, friends, and associates, and they can actually occasionally be found at space memorabilia auctions selling for anywhere from 20K to 50K. Like, talk about a loophole. Like, these guys were like, we know how to make bank. That is an incredible story. So, okay, two stories under our belts about rules, about loopholes, about are rules meant to be broken? Are there creative ways that one can get around what is typical or what has been done before? And I'll have both of these stories and actually the whole website that I found these stories on. It's called damninteresting.com. If you guys like me, love interesting stories, you're going to love this website. I find a lot of good stuff on there. I just gave you lots of amazing, factual, interesting stuff in preparation to tell you guys about a date that I'm going on that, like I said, might anger some of you because I believe I actually talked about this guy in length a year ago on the podcast. I'm pretty sure. I know I talked about him somewhere and I'm not sure. I don't think it was Match Me because Match Me didn't exist at this time. So it definitely was the pod. And some of you guys who remember all of the various stories I've shared because I've shared so many. So the fact, if you guys remember this guy, like you're a real one because like I barely remember this guy. <laughs> I'm kidding. I actually really remember this guy because he just baffled me, confused me to no end to the point where I just truly never forgot him and have been trying to psychoanalyze him ever since, trying to figure out why he did the things he did and like why he continues. And anyway, so I'm going on a date with him this week and I want to back up and fill you guys in on how we met and the beginning and like last year at this time and also tell you guys about why I'm questioning whether or not there are, are exceptions to some rules And we're going to dive into the very well-known concept of, or it's actually from that movie, He's Just Not That Into. I've talked about that before. Like, you know, you're not the exception. You are the rule. You shouldn't view yourself as the exception because it's only going to make you upset and lead to failure. So we're going to talk about that. So if you guys, uh, you know, we can shift gears now from the astronauts and queens of the world and into my life here in New York City. So last year I was on a dating app, as one is, and I came across this guy who by all accounts, like physically and just based on his profile, I was very interested in him. His prompts were really funny. He was really attractive. So I agreed to go on a date with him. I think it was actually July when we went on our first date. We went on one date and he lived over in Brooklyn. So This was actually, if you guys remember me talking on my other podcast about how I've gone on like two disastrous Brooklyn dates, the first date that we went on was actually not one of those. I'll get to the second date, but the first date was really great. One of his prompts was about a dive bar, and I love a good dive bar. I don't need to go to a super fancy place. Like, I really do love just like sipping a beer at a dive bar. That's something about me you might not know, but I really, really love doing that with my friends. So, one of his prompts was about a dive bar. And I think the first thing that I said to him on the dating app was something along the lines of, like, what's your favorite dive bar? And he was like, 
I'm going to take you to it on this day at this time. I'm like, hot, love it. Love that we didn't do a ton of small talk. And we went on our first date and it was over in Brooklyn at this really cute little bar. Couldn't tell you what it's called today, but I remember there being a lot of like neon signs and I was actually not too nervous leading up to the date because I I do this thing now and I did this last year too where I was just like so busy during the week that I just really couldn't think about a date until it was like the hour before. And so classically like an hour before I was getting a little bit nervous as one does sometimes before a date because you just do. I don't know what it is, but I just like got this like churning feeling in my stomach. So I called a friend while I was on my way over there, took the subway over there and I arrived at this dive bar I walked in and I just like had this paralyzing fear that I wasn't going to recognize him because when you come from a dating app to seeing someone in person, it is like kind of scary to think, oh my God, what if I walk up to the wrong person? Because I've heard people have done that before. So I walk in, I recognize him right away. He's sitting at the bar in like the bar bar. It was a bar of an establishment, but like the bar at the bar, if that makes sense. He was sitting up there like with his face towards the door waiting for me to come. So we go and sit down in a booth. We get drinks. We're talking. Everything is going really great. I really liked how relaxed he was. Like he was wearing – honestly, sometimes this would maybe like have turned me off that he was wearing just like a t-shirt and like looked really chill. But it was just like matching and fitting for the vibe of this dive bar. So we're chatting and had a really great conversation. He suggested we go get a bite somewhere. So we go somewhere else and like – My rule now has been that I only really go on a date for like two hours max. I don't give him any more time than that because that's enough time for me to figure out whether I like him or not and I don't need to like overstay my welcome. There can be a second date for talking further, you know, like I've realized recently that's something I should probably be doing. But at this time, I was not in that mindset. So our date lasted like four hours. We went to another place, like got some food and like hung out again. And then we ended up kissing at the end of the night. I was very smitten, like really excited to see him again. But it was summer. It was July. So like naturally, we both went on a bunch of trips in between. And I actually ended up in New Jersey. This was definitely either late July or early August. At this point, we had been texting for like a couple of weeks because both of us were out of town. And I'm like, oh, I'm in this town in New Jersey celebrating my friend's birthday. And he's like, wait a second, I'm here too which bar are you guys going to? And he said that he was going to be at the same exact bar. So naturally, I was really excited to like just randomly run into him. Well, it wasn't random because I guess I'd known that he was going to be there. Like you're both planning on going to the same bar. But when I ran into him at that bar, he was with his friends. And I was definitely like I was drinking. So I wasn't fully aware of maybe like every detail in the situation I wasn't like as on as I could be if I had been sober, I guess, but I was smart enough to know that he was definitely not really giving me the time of day at all because he was with his friends. I was with my friends. I understand that, but it almost gave me vibes like he didn't want to tell his friends that he had like gone on a date with me or like he made me, I don't know. I definitely read too far into situations. We've talked about this. I'm highly sensitive. (laughs) I really do overanalyze situations. So I was like, okay, I'm just being crazy. Like he definitely, we briefly saw each other, said hi, like hugged. And it didn't seem like he made any sort of effort to introduce me to his friends or anything like that. But I didn't take it as like a super red flag because it was just like one situation. We had gone on one date. I didn't read too far into it. So we get back to the city and a week goes by. We're talking a little bit. And then he's like, let's go on this other date. Like let's go on a second date. He's like, I want to show you this other dive bar. I was pretty annoyed because he once again had me come to Brooklyn, which is where he lives. And I'm like, 
okay, I think we should meet halfway. I didn't say that, but I figured, okay, maybe the third date. Like now I've just learned so much in the last year. I'm like, I now looking back, like should have said, let's meet somewhere closer to me. To make matters worse, it was raining and I never do well in the rain. So I am embarking on a journey to Brooklyn in the rain and I wasn't extremely happy about it, (laughs) but I just wanted to see him. I really did. We hit it off the first date. I really liked him. So I get there. It's another super cool dive bar. I will say very cool place. We're sitting there. This place has a lot of TVs. It's kind of more of like a sporty dive bar. And there wasn't a ton of people there, which was kind of nice because despite the fact that there were TVs on, like they weren't super loud. I could still hear him well. And it was like a good environment. So we're chatting. We're catching up from like the past few weeks. And he could not have been less interested in what I had to say or like he barely even looked at me in the eyes when I was speaking. He was just watching the TVs. And I'm telling you guys, there wasn't even like a big game on, okay? It wasn't like there was a Yankee game on. I mean, this was also like, I guess it was Yankee season. It was. I don't know why, like for some reason, I feel like this was fall. It definitely wasn't. It was August of last year. But like there wasn't a big game on. He was just distracted, like very visibly distracted. And we got one drink and we were talking, but not like it just didn't feel like the first date. And I was getting really frustrated because it just started to make me kind of sad that he had had me come all the way there and was just so uninterested. So I go to the bathroom and I call my friend Colby and I'm like, please tell me I'm not crazy. And she goes, get out of there, leave. Like he is not giving you any sort of just even like the bare minimum of attention, like just looking at me, like you don't need to be flirty. He was so flirty the first date, this day he wasn't. Something was just off in the way we were interacting. So I get back to the table and I said, so I'm going to go. And he was like, oh, well, why? Like he like snapped into action at that point. He's like, oh, no, no, don't leave. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to go, which I should have like in that moment been more vocal about not being happy with how he was acting. But later on that next day after I had like gone home, I literally cried over it. I cried over it because I was just frustrated. I feel like I've been going on dates for so many years now and I just wanted something to work so badly and I wanted him to work and it just wasn't working. And I often, I know this about myself, I try to force things. I really do because I just feel like if I visualize something working, like it has to work or it's just like the ultimate disappointment. So I was shooken up from this, but I called my friends. They talked me through it. I cried it out. It was fine. The next day I decided, I was like, okay, this is not happening again. But I also, part of me was like thinking to myself, and this is, you know, the what if of it all, the exception to the rule of it all, it happened to me. And I was like, what if he, something really bad had happened? Like, what if someone died? What if something bad happened at work and he just wasn't in a good frame of mind, but asked me on a date because he didn't want to be alone because he was going through something? Like, that did cross my mind. And my friends told me that I'm being crazy. I'm being way too nice. And I shouldn't say anything like that. I should just stop talking to him. But naturally, I texted him. And I said something along the lines of, hey, um, I just want to make sure you're okay. You were really off last night. Like, I didn't appreciate that you weren't giving me any – I didn't say attention because there's a better word. I really did artistically lay out this text essentially saying, is everything okay? Um, I don't like how you treated me, pretty much. And he responded and he said, I'm so sorry about last night. A lot's been going on with work. Classic throwing in the work response. Like, I'm really sorry that it wasn't fun for you or something like that. And after that, that was just like, it was 
enough for me to be like, okay, I need to just move on. This is just not happening. So I decided to work on moving on. I went on like other dates, took a little break, and then I just, you know, got myself back out there as one does when they are just really trying. So this was in August. And over the few months after that, he texted me very sporadically, a lot of times just like wanting to hang out. And it wasn't like booty call, like late at night text, but it might as well have been. Like it seemed like it. It just seemed fishy to me that he was randomly around like big holidays coming back to text me probably when he's lonely or probably when he's surrounded by family members who are in relationships and like he's trying to have someone to talk to. I don't really know, but I'm not responsible for easing someone's life in that way if it's at my expense. Like I'm really not. If it's going to make me feel bad, Like, I literally cried after this date. Like, I'm not going to get back into that. So I fully left him on red. Like, I didn't respond to any of the texts. One text, he did ask me about something Maryland-focused, like, where I'm from. And he said, I'm out in Maryland. Like, where should I go or something? And I did send him, like, a few bars. Again, nicest person ever. I need to stop that. But whatever. So that was the extent of our correspondence. Then flash forward to this year, literally this past weekend, I'm on Hinge again because I had gone through a particularly annoying evening, which I documented. I put it on TikTok. I I have a whole episode on Matchmade coming out referencing this. Like, essentially, this guy that I had a crush on currently, not this other guy, not the guy from last August, but this guy currently who essentially just, like, told me he wasn't interested after I'd had, like, this huge crush pretty much. And I was just, like – I was deflated, okay? I wasn't like obviously he's entitled to have that opinion, but I just it's just been like one after another recently and I just felt like deflated. So naturally I went on hinge. And I wouldn't say this is the best way to cope. I feel like well, I do lean into my friends. I do the things that I say I should do, but I also just love a distraction. Like it really does help. So I went on hinge and I was just swiping around. And then of course I land on this guy from last August. Like, of course he is there still, has changed up like one of his photos, but clearly the same guy. And I saw him on there and he had liked one of my pictures because he does reach out all the time. I know that he knows it was me. Like, it's not like I've changed my whole face or something. I just cut my hair. I think he still follows me on Instagram too. I didn't even check that, but um, he liked one of my pictures. And I, in a moment of feeling, well, what the heck? Like this guy broke me or didn't break me. I'm being so dramatic, but he did affect me. Okay. I felt something when he did that to me. So I said, what the heck? Let me just further complicate my life. So I messaged him and I said, like I responded to his like, and I said, fancy seeing you here. And then he starts asking me about how I'm doing, about how I am, like really sweet questions, I will say, like bare minimum, but still like nothing suggestive. Then he texts me and we have a nice hungover conversation. I was just like responding every hour or so after I had the strength to read my phone because I was particularly hungover this Sunday. And I do like stupid things when I'm hungover, really. I just like have no judgment. So I was like, maybe I'll regret this, but whatever. Like I'm just chatting with this guy. So after chatting a bit, he suggests that we meet up that day and hang out He's like, my week ahead is looking really scary. Like, are you around tonight to hang out or something? And when I read that, I was like, this smells like a booty call. And I don't think I want to be involved in this. So I said, I might still be horizontal then, which wasn't no, but it was just like pushing off the question. And like, I wasn't really, I was never planning on seeing him. 
So then after that, he goes, maybe we order something in and I can grab some wine or something. You're saying this to a hungover person, first of all. I'm like, okay, this is just disrespectful. So I didn't respond to the message. After that, he goes, I'm transferring trains now because he was actually at the beach during the day. And he said, transferring trains now. What's your status? Ha ha. No response from me. That was on Sunday night. I was like, F this. I'm over men. I'm done. I'm not responding. Then Monday, early afternoon, he says, hey, if you're free on Wednesday, let's catch up a little bit more properly, which I really appreciated the more properly because come on, dude, I am laying in bed hungover. You like broke my heart last year by being so weird on our second date. Like I'm not going to just see you tonight, even if you bring a bottle of wine. So the fact that he said more properly, like, yes, let's have some planning involved. Let's have some days of notice. Let's actually have a decent date planned. And then he asked me on a date, like an actual date. So then after that, I waited a bit because I was actually working. And then I was like, I'd like that. I'm around. And we've been talking ever since. And the week has arrived where I'm going to see him. And here is my rationale for this. I really want to in person, like want to get some information. I just like want to know, like, is he just DTF? Like, is that what's going on here? I'm just like really curious. And it's mostly because I'm like, after that second date, like was something actually going on? I'm curious. I'm really, you know how I am. I'm just like to dig into things. So I'm considering this a season two date. And you know what? Sometimes season one is the star. Oftentimes season one is the star and season two can never live up. But I'm curious. I want to see if season two of this guy will live up and you best believe if he does anything suspicious within like the first 30 minutes or like is really giving me any sort of warning signs, warning bells are going off, I'm getting the frick out of there and I'm not going to say that I have an excuse. I'm just going to be like, bye, I'm leaving. Like that is what's happening. This is kind of a challenge to me. I feel like I need to close this chapter. And this is why earlier I knew a lot of people weren't going to be into this idea or like people are going to be like, Katie, oh my God, no, don't do it. But I kind of, I need to do this for me, okay? I need to do this because I need to revisit this. And I'm so just like still left very confused from the first interaction from the first. Because our first date, guys, if you knew, if you were there, you would see and be like, this seems extremely promising. Like what the heck could possibly go wrong? We're very similar. We get along very well. Like how could this have gone south so quickly? And the fact that he's reached out to me so many times over the past year, like he hasn't forgotten about me, which like, you know, who would forget about me? But I was telling this to Colby at dinner. We went to dinner on Monday night and this is her speaking. She's like, I know you and I know you're going to need to get to the bottom of this. You need to figure it out so you can finally move on and like get over it and not be scarred that like every second date you're going to go on is going to be horrible. So I'm going on my season two date this week. And this leads me, so back to our whole concept about rules and exceptions and loopholes. So I think about this, like, am I going on this date leaning into the rule or the exception? You know, the quote, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. What about three times? Like, I don't know. The rule in this situation says, if it sounds too good to be true, Katie, it definitely is. Like, he definitely just wants to hook up with you. He is not getting any, and he wants that. Like, that's what he wants, or he just is lonely and wants someone for, like, one night, or who the heck knows. The exception to the rule says to me, which is, like, what's in my ear at the moment, and it's very reminiscent of that movie that I referenced earlier. He's just not that into you. The exception says, this time it'll be different. It's meant to be, he never forgot about you. I bet there's 
someone out there who has had a similar situation happen to them where the flame went dormant for a bit and then it came back better than ever. And even if that didn't even happen, they just got the answers they needed so they could move on. But what does the truth say? Is this rule meant to be broken for me to figure it out? I don't know. And I guess I won't know until I go on this date. So a few concepts like pop into my head as I'm thinking through this one. First, that Einstein quote, which is insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That is hopefully not what's happening here, but it does remind me of that quote. And the second concept is that sensation of saying a word over and over again. You guys have definitely been there where you say the same word over and over again to the point where it actually loses all of its meaning and your brain just like can't figure out what it means anymore. Like it just doesn't sound right. Like it sounds funny after you say it so many times. Like if I repeat a word over and over and over and over again, it starts to sound weird. I actually, I Googled this and it's called semantic satiation or semantic saturation. And when this happens, it's essentially those neurons that deal with the connection between the pronunciation of the word and the meaning of the word. They've become so overwhelmed by being repeated that they briefly disable the ability to connect the pronunciation to the meaning of the word. So your brain just gets overwhelmed. The neurons just can't anymore. They've just, they've given up. So I don't know. Like, (laughs) I guess I'm just like a big fun facts girl today. Lots of stories, lots of fun facts, lots of confusing scenarios. Like this is just what's going on in my brain right now. I feel like I don't even know what the meaning of anything is anymore. Like what is the meaning of dating? What is the meaning of someone sliding in all the time, but like you don't respond and they still message you. Like he still messages me even after I don't respond. Like what does that say? I don't even know. Is it a game for him? Is it a game for me? I don't know. Anyway, so the last little bit for this podcast episode, I'm going to leave us with this quote by the lovely, ever-talented Cleo Wade. I love following her on Instagram. She's a poet. She's an artist. She's amazing. She said this. She said, life does not always hand us the easy road. Life does not always allow for us to be in the right frame of mind, to always do the right thing at the right time. To know this is to remember that you are human. We are not born knowing the best way to navigate the circumstances, the worst circumstances. We are all more than our mistakes. Our mistakes do not make us bad people. Our mistakes, when met with awareness and personal responsibility, are actually what introduce us to our best selves. You are beautiful because of all of your experiences, the good, the bad, and the imperfect. Cleo Wade. I just hope to get some clarity. So anyway, that is it for this episode, guys. More to come. I feel like I'm leaving you guys on a cliffhanger. I'll let you guys know what happens. But thanks for listening, everyone. And I will talk to you all next Thursday with another episode of Thick and Thin. Bye. Bye.